Hello and welcome to the Not Okay With Great podcast, where the intention is to empower men and women to change their mindsets about aging so they can make the rest of their lives the best of their lives. And contrary to mainstream media, it is my belief there's never been a better time to be alive on the planet than right now. And my goal is to provide insights, education, and motivation that challenges and inspires you to embrace this sense of optimism. And as an author, motivational speaker, and certified life coach, my job is to relay a very simple yet powerful message to you. And that message is, you have the capacity to be, to do, and to have anything you set your mind to. There are no limits to what you can accomplish with the right mindset. Therefore, your next question should be, but how do I do that? Well, I'm so glad you asked, and here's your answer. You must be willing to invest in your own personal transformation. Now, I define transformation as the process of transforming yourself from who you thought you were to who you were born to be. And this is an inner journey that very few people are actually willing to take. But since you're joining this podcast, I know you're the type of person who is committed to transformation. So let me begin by acknowledging you for tuning in. And in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about female empowerment. And as mentioned, I'm an optimist. And although I recognize there are obvious challenges women have to face in our society, I believe women are blazing new trails in all segments of society. And there are plenty of reasons to be optimistic about the future. And joining me today is a woman who epitomizes female empowerment. Her name is Regina Garapi. And I was recently introduced to her and her work, and I immediately knew I want to feature her on this podcast. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Regina to the podcast. Hello, Regina. How are you? Hey, Michael Taylor. It is great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, I am super excited to have you on. So before we jump into your work, though, I want to start off with a few icebreakers. So I want you to do a couple of sentence completions for me. So I want you to complete this. I really love to See the light bulb go off in someone's eyes when they have a new awareness about themselves or about anything, really. Gotcha. Next. My superpower is? My superpower is creating safe, supportive spaces for people, particularly women, to be heard. Mm. I am proud of. I am proud of my son who just completed his first year of college. Awesome. Awesome. Life is. Life is whatever you dream it to be. One thing I'd like to change about the world is. One thing I'd like to change about the world is. The feeling, the idea, the belief that we are separate Mm. from each other. If I had a magic wand, I would. Oh, if I had a magic wand, I 
I think I would bring a sense of peace and love to everyone's heart. Mm. Beautiful. And the future is. I, like you, believe the future is full of possibility. And I believe it's bright, despite what the news says. Awesome. Uh, now, I noticed that you love to read. And so if you were trapped on an island for 30 days and you could only take one book with you, what book would you take? That is such a good question and a, and a difficult one. But I think that I might actually bring... There's two that I always keep on my bedside table. Um, so I'm going to go with Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. Oh, my God. That's so amazing. That's so amazing. I have to share this. He just put out a call where you could submit a story to be included in his upcoming book. And guess who submitted a story? Yeah. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I did. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. But yes, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Neil Donald Walsh. Huge fan. Yeah. So with that being said, now I'd like to give you an opportunity to introduce Regina the professional. So tell the audience what you profess, what you do professionally. Yeah, professionally, I work primarily with women. I do private coaching. I believe a lot in creating places for reflection and community. So I do a lot of seasonal rituals and women's circles. I lead a mastermind. And then of course, I just do a variety of workshops and retreats and events. Sweet. Well, with that being said, of course, the really big news story lately is the E. Jean Carroll story where she received a verdict against a former president. So as a woman female empowerment specialist, I'd really like to just get your thoughts on that story. Yeah. So on, on one hand, I felt there, I guess there was a sense of vindication that there was some sort of verdict that created some consequences for someone, our former president, who um, had sexually assaulted her. I think on the on the other side of it, of course, I, I tuned into what was the response and what was his response. And, you know, a lot of that goes back to opening up the wound for women around our bodies not being valued, our voices not being heard, being dismissed, our true stories. Um, so, yeah, I mean, on one hand, I'm glad there there was the verdict against him. And um, it's still brings up sadness and anger and rage that women are still not being believed fully and uh, dismissed. So I know we have a ways to go, but I do love that women are feeling more empowered to tell their story and that more people are becoming aware and believing. So I think it's, you know, it's both, but it brings it into the awareness and we can have conversations about it. And that feels important. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think 
I can't even imagine the amount of courage it took for her to continue this. I mean, she's been working on this for years, right? Yes. And of course, against such a powerful guy, the fact that she was courageous enough to say, look, this is my truth. I stick by it. This is what happened. And let's take this through this process. As difficult as it was, I, I'm just I'm just moved and inspired by her courage. Yeah. Um, that just it just amazes me. So now I read on your website that you've actually been leading workshops since you were like 16 years old. So I'm curious, how did, how did that start? And what was that about? Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, when I was 16, I uh, began teaching an interactive empowerment workshop. And I, I started them at district and state conferences for student leaders. So I was very involved in student council, which at the time in high school, that was the place where you could find personal development was through student leadership. And so I developed a workshop called I Like the Sprite in You, which I played off of the popular advertisement slogan for Sprite. And I turned Sprite into an acronym. Now, I can't actually remember what that acronym stood for now, <laughs> but I know that the desire even then was to change the way people thought about themselves from a negative perception that I'm not enough. I'm not, you know, we're in high school. I'm not as popular. I'm not as smart, you know, whatever it might be into really seeing their uniqueness and that they have something to offer. And I think the truth is that, I mean, I have a picture of myself at seven years old where I gathered all of my teddy bears and all of my dolls in a circle and I um, taught them how to read and I read them like, you know, inspiring children's stories because children's stories are often very inspiring. So I think uh, teaching, empowering and inspiring others is part of my essence and I think that I've always been fascinated with how we can believe in ourselves even more. Mm. Now, you begin your career as an elementary school teacher. You've worked with kids with special needs. You've been a leadership instructor, a sex educator, an award-winning direct seller, and an event, an event planner. So I'm curious why and how did you decide to become what I'll call, and I'm making this up, a female empowerment specialist? Yeah, I believe it goes back to my own journey, my own journey of empowerment. I, you know, I began as someone who really grew up wanting to please. You know, I was a good girl, people pleaser, perfectionist. And, you know, growing up, I just thought, okay, the only way that I can get my happily ever after, because growing up and going through challenges and uh, kind of losing my magical child self, being sort of disillusioned about things from my childhood, I decided that the only way to really get my happily ever after is by following the protocol of what I had discerned from my conditioning, right? Be good, be quiet, be humble, don't make a fuss, please others. 
So that's what I did. I was quiet. I got good grades. I went to college. I met a boy. I got married. I bought a house. I had a baby. Um, and I thought that all of that, doing all of those things, all the things you should do was the key to fulfillment. But doing all of that, I crushingly kind of discovered that although I had this, this thing, I had this life, I wasn't happy. I felt empty. I, I sort of this laminated glossy shell and I felt like something must be wrong with me for me to have done these things, achieved these things, and to still not feel happy. I could sense a thread of gratitude for my life, but I didn't feel inspired. I didn't feel joyful. I didn't feel radiant or connected or have like dreams for what came next. Because I, you know, I had these goals, I achieved them. Like what more is there? And I felt like I was going through the motions and keeping the secret. Like I was pretending that I was okay, but not understanding why I couldn't just be happy. Mm. And just like the quote by Anai Nisnin, she said, when you are pretending, your whole body revolts. Mm. And mine did. So I had chronic laryngitis. I had fatigue. I have autoimmune issues. I had back issues. I cracked my teeth because I was clenching my jaw so hard. And I realized like so much of that was just this suppression, right? It was the suppression, the dehydration of my soul, feeling disconnected from my essence, my passions, my dreams. I had like lost the melody of my own voice. And I didn't know that I could heal myself. I didn't know that I could dream again and create a life of meaning and joy. I didn't know that I was powerful. Uh, And so I let, like, I left really what was safe and comfortable and really started going on this journey to reclaim my own essence. And that's really, that journey that I went on became the inspiration and the pillar of the work that I do now, right? Letting go of all the shoulds of society, how we should be, how we should act, what we should do to find who we really are and what we really want. And I think that is a key part of empowerment, separating out our true essence, our true self from our conditioning. From the, because, you know, we're all conditioned. We're conditioned by society, by culture, by our families, by gender identities, roles, media, religion. They give us beliefs and behaviors and values to follow, to become an acceptable version of a good girl, woman, daughter, mother, employee, friend, leader, whatever it is. So that separation from our true self to our conditioned self. Right. Often that conditioning teaches us to go against or disconnects us or hold us back from our authentic expression, our unique gifts, our abilities to create what we want to create. Mm. And so like the, the journey of empowerment is sort of reclaiming our true selves, our essence, and then developing this deep belief, trust and love in ourselves. And that is what I love doing. 
Wow. You know, and it's amazing, although this episode is targeted to female empowerment, as a man, as a guy, I deeply relate to what you were just saying. Yeah. Because actually, in one of my books, actually, my book, I'm Not Okay with Gray, I talk about what I call the societal roller coaster, where we get trapped on this roller coaster and we don't even realize we're stuck on it. And this roller coaster says to be a man, you know, you have to have the house, the wife, the 2.5 kids, the vacations and all of that. And you'll be happy. Well, like yourself, I had all those things and I was absolutely miserable. <laughs> and it wasn't until I stopped looking out there and started looking in here and in here that I was able to, as you mentioned, find my essence, find that joy, find that passion for why I was put on the planet. And so as a result of the amazing challenges and adversities I overcame, I simply made a commitment to share what I learned along my own journey with others. And that's why I write. That's why I speak. And it just, it's like, I believe the universe is perfect. And I believe sometime the universe has to take drastic steps to get us to do what we were put on the planet to do. And so for me, what I recognize is my divorce, as difficult and as painless as it, painful as it was, it was the absolute best thing that ever happened to me. Because for the first time, it challenged me to get off of that dang roller coaster. It challenged me to stop looking at those societal roles that I thought would bring me happiness and to be authentically connected to who and what I am and to understand what really make, makes me happy. And so it's been an amazing journey that, well, actually, it's been almost a 30 year journey that I'm still on. And it's just now this beautiful flow that I, that. All of the challenges that I've overcome has has put me in, I call alignment with this divine intelligence that I, I, I choose to call God sometimes. So, again, I, I really appreciate and can and resonate with your story. Uh, and it's not just because I know there's guys watching my show. So this isn't just for women. This is for men. Also, we have those same challenges. So, again, thank you for for sharing that. Now, there's a quote on your website that says. When a woman becomes devoted to her wisdom, power, and worth, she becomes a catalyst for healing and change. Can you expound on that a little bit? Yeah, I think that's just one of the things that I experienced in myself, what I see in my clients, and what I just, I hold as sort of a, a mission and belief in the work that I do. You know, we, um, and Yes, I, I, I will say that I, of course, agree with everything you say. I think the things that I say do also apply in a lot of ways to men. I happen to be here uh, in a female body, so that's the, the experience that I speak from. And, and from my own journey, especially as, um, as a mother and going through the process of creating life and giving birth, and seeing how powerful that was in that time in my life where I had women uh, surrounding me to help me through that process of bringing something into the world, bringing life into the world. And I got to see that how when we, we, we are connected, when we are in touch with this place where we can create and have power, um, we can create change. And that kind of leads into one of my other 
sort of missions is, you know, from an early age, I sort of saw that in myself, I experienced it deeply in myself that we have some wounds as women around other women. Mm. It's the, the wound that we carry called the sister wound, right? It's because there was a time where we were hurt or shamed or envied or betrayed or abandoned by another woman, whether that be our biological sister or a, a first friend on the playground. And the, the wound is usually opened when we are young, but we can then have it activated and reopened throughout our lives. There is also part of this that is part of the conditioning of living in a sort of white patriarchal world and those conditionings that sort of keep women separated from each other. And so these wounds create this unspoken subconscious programming to not trust each other, to be in competition with each other, to be very judgmental and critical of other women. And so we hear that, you know, we hear women are catty. We hear women are mean, right? There's a whole movie called Mean Girls. And the, the lead character's name is Regina George. <laughs> because Regina means queen. So she was like the queen mean bee. And, you know, one of the things we, we talk about in my circles and then I teach is that first acknowledging that we have all been part of sister wounding someone else and we have all have been wounded ourselves and because we don't talk about it we haven't been taught ways to identify and work with these human things that come up envy desire power anger hurt we don't know how to deal with those in healthy ways and so when things become suppressed they come out in these shadowy unhealthy ways and that perpetuates this cycle that keeps us in a place of being very critical and distrusting of other women, therefore untrusting and very critical of ourselves. And we hear a lot about healing the romantic heartbreak, but it's less talked about, but just as impactful is the deep pain associated with breaking up with a friend. And so to get back to what you were saying is that I believe that we can heal these wounds, which, you know, gives us more access to our own power, to trusting our intuition, um, to feeling worthy. And therefore, we can do that with other women. Like that force of nurturing creation and healing, that power will rise. And I... I think it's the kind of healing force that this planet needs. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing that I've noticed in some women that begin this journey is that they take on this superwoman <laughs> uh, persona. Like they, it's almost like they take on the male alpha quality. Like I am you know, I'm a survivor, I'm tough or whatever. And, and it, it seems like it, it it covers up the thing that make women women, which is the feminine energy, right? It's like they lose that essence of vulnerability and femininity. Uh, have you seen that in your work at all? This, this superwoman idea that actually is just a shield that women hide behind? 
Yeah, I think it goes back to what we've been talking about, about the conditioning that, you know, we see that the only way to have power, to be successful, to achieve is to sort of embody that masculine way of being in how to achieve success. Like we see it in business and in the boardroom. And so, you know, women come, I work with a lot of women entrepreneurs, you know, that sort of, that sort of happens because also subconsciously that idea that vulnerability is weakness, that our emotions make us, um, yeah, weak, less than. So we try to like, okay, I, I don't know. I haven't been taught fully how to deal with these emotions. So I'm going to put those to the side and I'm just going to focus on strength and they weren't taught that our vulnerability is also our strength, that our emotions are our superpower. Um, So I think it's a confusing message that we're brought up with on what success and power look like. And that is part of the journey is finding it back into learning to trust our bodies, to trust our emotions, and to, you know, that our vulnerability is also our courage. Mm. Now, for the women who are watching this or listening to this, we've talked a lot about conditioning. That's really powerful. Uh, it kind of lays the foundation for who we are in a lot of ways. But what are some of the things that keep women from embracing their wisdom, their power, and their worth? Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but I do think it goes back to, for me, it was my conditioning on what I was taught um, around how to be good and quiet and compliant, like those things, to trust my logical mind right? Because we value logic and and what's rational. And so the things that I felt or saw that I couldn't explain, you know, that was sort of told to me, like, yeah, we, that doesn't make sense, right? Our intuition sometimes will lead us down paths that don't always make sense. And so we got taught to distrust that. We were taught that things about our our bodies were things that we should hide, things that we shouldn't talk about, things, parts of our bodies that are disgusting. And so all of it was like, let's just cover all of that up and let's just try to fit in and be what other people want us to be. And when we are just trying to be what other people want us to be, again, we block connection to our true selves. And when we're not living in that alignment of our essence, you know, we do start feeling out of integrity. We start feeling empty. We lose connection to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. guessing that's not that different for men. Yeah, that's the disconnection is the key. Disconnection from who we truly are. Now, you shared an amazing story. And, and I know a lot of women will relate to the good girl um, aspect of being a woman, you know, being the good girl. And you you shared how you had 
overcome that in some ways by actually selling sex toys and how that shifted your perception about you, your own sexuality, sexuality. Can you talk a little bit about that transformation from thinking you had to be this good girl to just embracing who you are? Yeah. Yeah. So at that time, like I shared before, where I got to that place of feeling like really empty, like I had these things, I achieved that, but I felt really empty. So knowing that something needed to change, you know, I don't know whether we we could call it a moment of insanity or rather spirit-led action, depending on what you believe. This very good girl uh, signed up to be in a direct sales company that sold adult novelties, <laughs> sex toys. And I got into that because my little sister, who, you know, I, we, you families have labels. Like I was the good girl. She was the wild child. So it seemed to make sense that she would do something like that. Not me. And I went to one of her parties. I held one of the parties for her. And that is where at that party, I realized I, I ended up like excusing myself to go to the bathroom and feeling very teary, even though it was such a fun party and everybody was laughing and having a great time. I was crying because I realized that what she was talking about felt foreign to me, that I was completely disconnected. And so, I mean, it, it took a little bit of time, but eventually I did decide to sign up. And that was life-changing for me because I learned that cutting ourselves off from our bodies also means cutting ourselves off from our hunger, our needs, our sexuality. And that suppression cuts us off from our bodies. Um, innate sense of power, creativity, and intuition. And so that work helped me release a lot of the shame that I had from my past and in my body, help me get back into my body to listen, to care for and protect and trust my body and work with my nervous system. And it also, like that sense of empowerment, which came through embodiment and like learning that it's okay. And that's actually part of this beautiful thing called life is to have and receive pleasure. Like that was huge for me mm. and, and being in the company and having success with it. And a lot of direct sell, selling companies are very keen on personal development. So I had this empowerment that was going on, this embodiment, this like shedding the shame, getting back into my body, like finding pleasure. When we can do that here, we can do that in other places. And so it, it was body, but then it was also mind, right? I became aware that our mindset and the story that we tell ourselves is hugely impactful to how we see ourselves. Mm. Because many people, including myself, told stories that, that, that make us suffer, that make us shrink back and not feel good enough. So I learned to have a conscious mindset where I could intentionally choose what story to tell myself and to act from that place. 
Um, and I also through all of that, like mind body, then there was also a spiritual piece too. I really started to, as I got in touch with my intuition, I started to think, I think there's something bigger here because mm. I had sort of turned my back on religion and I started having serendipity. I started to feel this force and I started to, you know, research, got the book conversations with God, things like that. So it was really a life-changing mind, body, spirit that happened through choosing to sell sex toys, the completely uh, path that you wouldn't ever think, but became a healing path for me. Beautiful. Beautiful. Now, since the focus of this podcast is changing your mindset about aging, I actually read your blog post titled, You Aren't Past Your Prime, where you talked about getting emotional while um, watching Michelle Yeh win the Academy Award. I'm curious. So what was it that caused you to get emotional about that moment? Yeah, I think, you know, part of it was just me being where I am right now. So I um, just this month, you know, I am fully in menopause. I have my, I'm an empty nester. My son, you know, has, has gone off to college. So I'm in this place of transition. And so seeing her win, so part of it, you know, 95 years, um, she, of the Academy Award, she is only the second woman of color to win. And when she won, she won at 60 years young. She was 60 years young. And she said that, she says, ladies, at the end of her speech, don't let anyone tell you you are ever past your prime. And it really just hit me. And because I work with a lot of women um, who are, I'd say, 45 plus, I, it, it just made me emotional to, to remember that. Because we grow up in a society that values the feminine for its youth and its beauty, not always our wisdom and our power. And so we we are sort of taught or we start to think that, oh, if if I haven't made it by middle age, then I'm not going to make it at all. Or it's the best of my life is behind me. And she just proved that that's not true. And, you know, I, I know like Patricia Field, she was a fashion designer. And her career didn't take off until she was she was in her middle 50s, I believe. She met Sarah Jessica Parker. She started designing the costumes for Sex in the City. I know Martha Stewart. She didn't become the household name until she was past 50. And so, yeah, Michelle's acceptance speech just reminded me and, you know, I thought everyone not to count ourselves out because we perceive some kind of limitation, like our age, our changing bodies, our tech skills, anything that intimidates us or sends us into doubt that we right now in this moment, whatever age we are, we have the opportunity to make it our prime right now. So I love that. Absolutely. And I want, I want to read a quick um, quote from your article, your blog, that, and it says, you are not past your prime. Even if you have daily reminders from a teenager about how uncool you are, even if your body creaks, aches, and flashes, even if you experienced success long ago and times are different now, you aren't past your prime. That's a cultural lie to keep you on the couch watching Netflix. 
You have so much to offer the world and we need your medicine. I love that. I yes. absolutely love that. Now, to ensure we do not get stuck on the couch watching Netflix, we have to commit to our own personal transformation. So for me, that means we must be willing to read the books, do the workshops, learn to meditate, learn to love ourselves, and remember that the key to success is constant and never-ending improvement. So with that being said, you offer a wide range of transformational programs for women. So I want to talk a little bit about coaching and how women can use coaching to, again, not end up on the couch watching Netflix. So can you, first of all, make a distinction between coaching and therapy? Because I think a lot of people get those two confused. Can you make a distinction there? Yeah, um, I think therapy... Um, which I've done and, you know, there's, it's, it's super helpful. And a lot of it is focused on definitely, I've learned a lot about conditioning through therapy, right? So we learn a lot about the past and what maybe caused us to be who we are to do the certain behaviors that we do. We can learn a lot about that through therapy, kind of heal some of the wounds and the trauma and coaching. I think is different in that we are really more working toward where you are right now and where it is you want to be. And I think it's easy to get caught up in all of the the noise, the emotions, the demands, the responsibilities, the to-dos of the world. And, you know, I like to think that everyone needs someone in their corner who can help you sort through all of that to help you hear your own wisdom, to help you get clarity, work through your resistance to change, um, to help prioritize what it is matter, what matters to help you identify and discern what lights you up, what your joy is, what your dreams are. Because sometimes as we, you know, move through life, we achieve something and then we're like, who am I? And what is it that I really want? And I think a coach can help you clarify what you want your life to look like, what isn't working now and support you from getting from here to there, right? So sometimes that's accountability. Sometimes that's helping you with your leadership skills, building confidence and courage, navigating the transitions and just helping you find alignment with your essence. And I think it can really help you shift how you think and how you see yourself Yeah. in a, you know, empowering way. Yeah. Now, one of my challenges is I'll, I'll call it lone wolf syndrome, <laughs> meaning for most of my life, I've done everything by myself on my own. And it wasn't until, like you said, I went to therapy and started you know, doing my inner work and healing and transformation that I, I came to understand that, uh, first of all, we're so- social animals and we weren't put on this, this planet to be alone. Um, but I've, I've come to know that there's so much power of being in a network of like-minded people that, a couple of things, number one, they can call you on your stuff that you may be in denial about, but they can also hold you accountable to help you attain the thing that you want to attain. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of, in this in this context, sisterhood, women coming together collectively to support and empower each other. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a huge part. Like I I do a lot of one-on-one coaching, but I really love working with groups. And I love that because when we are together in a group and just like you and I have had these moments together here, Michael, where I say something and I just see you nodding your head or you say something and I'm nodding my head. It is seeing that there's so much more that we have in common because a lot of times we can sit here and think like, I I know everyone in my life thinks that I have it all together and that I never have any doubts or fears or worries. And so then when we get into a group, we hear like, oh, someone else thinks that, someone else has that gremlin. Oh, I'm not alone here. Nothing is wrong with me. And for me, a lot of sisterhood is healing um, and shedding a lot of that shame or that feeling of disconnection or that we are alone or that we're broken or that the only one. And then once, once we have that, once we get like, oh, okay, I'm not alone here. We're all on this journey. And then there's such a power in the force of this circle and in, you know, in my case of the groups, the circle of women, like we're all working on ourselves. We're all working on our goals. And then it's like, we're not in competition. When someone shares a celebration in a group, we all can feel it. Like mm. it's that, you know, all the tide rises and all boats, you know, rise too. We all feel that and we can use that as fuel. And then women become a mirror. And this this happens in in groups where people are devoted and dedicated to the group is that people become mirrors for each other. And it's so powerful to see yourself reflected back when you hear someone affirm you, when you hear someone give you feedback, you start to see yourself the way they do. And that is so huge. And then I think in the sisterhood that I work hard to create, it's the both and like we create the circle so that when you are excited and celebrating, people celebrate that with you and they feel that with you. But when you are having that hard day, when you are feeling at the bottom of the bottom, the group gathers around you and they show you what is possible. They show you and they hold, they hold you in whatever you're going through, but they reflect back to you, your potential. They reflect back to you what's possible for you. That I think it's healing, it's life-changing and it's my favorite out of the work I do. Now you just reminded me of something and I can't remember exactly why I saw it, but you have something in one of your programs or something about gremlins. And I heard you just mention a, a gremlin. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about those gremlins? Oh yes. Those gremlins. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So I created sort of years ago thinking about what are the things that, like as someone you know, I learned about myself. I'm a, I'm a little bit of an introvert. And so, so sometimes putting myself out there felt really scary to me. And I started thinking like, what, what are the things that I tell myself? Like the excuses really that I tell myself that keep me from going after doing, putting myself out there, having what I want. 
And I realized that I had started calling them these gremlins because <laughs> they, they sort of seem like justified real excuses for why we don't do the things that we say we want to do. So I have five of them. Of course, there's, there's many more, <laughs> but the top five for me were the first was the busy gremlin. Like I'm so busy. I just, I'm going to, I'm going to do the thing that I said I'm going to do when things settle down. And then of course things don't settle down and you take the thing that you wanted to do and it just keeps getting pushed to the back burner because you're so busy. And then there is the wishy-washy gremlin. That's like, I don't know if I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And I'm this way. I'm not. So you're wishy-washy in the decision. And of course the whole thing is if you continue to be wishy-washy in your decision, you won't ever make the decision. And that's the point, because if you never make the decision, you never move forward. And then we have the perfectionist gremlin. Of course, the perfectionist gremlin is the one who just wants it all to be just right before you put it out there. Like before I go teach that class, before I put out the podcast, I have to have all the other things in line and right. And then uh, the scholarly gremlin. And remember, just these are all mine. <laughs> the scholarly <laughs> gremlin is the one that says, you know, you're close, but you just need to take one more training. You just need more research. You just need one more certification. And then, then you can do it. And that seems logical and believable. But what it does is it just keeps you from honoring the skills and the training that you already have, right? Because you keep thinking you need more. And then the last one is, of course, the, the good one, good one gremlin who doesn't want to ruffle any feathers, doesn't want to be too much, doesn't want anyone to, you know, be upset or, or judgy or cause any conflict. So if you feel strongly about something that, you know, could be controversial or, you know, someone won't like that or you're worried what they might think, you know, you pull back, you don't put it out there. So those gremlins are a lot of the ones that I work with, mm. um, with in my it. programs. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Love it. So now let's shift gears just a little bit. Um, you are the director of training for Mike Dooley and his infinite possibility program. Now, for those of you who don't know who Mike Dooley is, Mike Dooley is a guy who puts out this email called Notes from the Universe, which I read every morning. And I've always been a huge fan of his work. And I actually recent, recently completed his certification to actually facilitate his Infinite Possibilities program. So, But you've been working with Mike for, I guess, what, eight years or so? And I'm just curious, how were you introduced to the training and how did you become director of trainings? Yeah. So in... 2005, so that would be 18 years ago, uh, Jen Jolliker, who was the owner of the company that I worked for when I sold adult novelties, she forwarded me a note from the universe. And she said, this feels like our conversation that we had the other day. I really think you'll like it. And thus began a habit of reading the notes from the universe every day. And the concept that thoughts become things and that I'm a deliberate creator began to take root in my life. I began applying that to my direct selling business. 
right? Like if I want to be a top recruiter in my company, I need to think like I am a top recruiter in my company. I need to act like I am a top recruiter, right? So I'd ask myself, what would a top recruiter do? And then I would go do it. And these had profound effects for my business and for my life. So fast forward to, I think 2009 or 2010, I saw a note from the universe and I scrolled down. You always got to scroll down. People forget that. You got to scroll down because that's where I saw that they were offering these live monthly safari talks and you could subscribe to them. So I clicked a link thinking I would, you know, be able to get an audio recording of it, but it turns out the safari talk was happening live. Like you could attend them live in Orlando, Florida. I was like, what? That's where I live. The universe lives down the street. Are you kidding? I have lived down the street for the past like five years and didn't even know it. Um, it felt so serendipitous and perfect timing because I was all in. So I, I went to those talks almost every month for a year, furiously taking notes, bobbing my head, soaking it all in. And, you know, so after a while, of course, I, I knew Mike, I knew Andy Dooley. And by the time he offered the very first training, which was only two and a half days for uh, for teaching infinite possibilities, I, of course, went. And while the, the training then is very different than it has evolved to over the past uh, decade, what are we at, 12? First one was in 2011. Yeah, so uh, 11 years, 20 conferences later. Um, but after that first one, he needed a board of directors because in the very beginning, it was just for nonprofits. So I got was part of his board of directors, and then he needed help putting together the next conference. And it just so happens that all of my background and my skills sort of lined up, and I was able to help him out at the next conference. And after that one, I became the director of training. So I've been the director of training for about 10 years. <laughs> wow. So again, for those of you who are not familiar with Mike Dooley's work, um, I've been following, God, I can't remember the, the first time I ran across Mike's work, but I remember reading a note from the universe and it just so deeply resonated with my soul as I read it. I was like, what? And um, again, I've been following him for years and years and years. And then I got the email. I scrolled to the bottom, as you mentioned, and it said something to the effect of they're going to have online trainings to become a facilitator of his work. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, I've been waiting for this for a long time. So signed up. And that's why I actually met you. And and the beauty of Mike's work, but actually it's the beauty of the universe, is that when we commit to our own personal transformation, and we were, we've been talking about healing and, and, and dealing with our stuff and moving past cultural conditioning, and I think that's important, and we have to do that kind of stuff. But there comes a point where we get in what I call the universal flow of life. And some people call it the law of attraction. You can call it whatever you want. But there's there's this universal flow that when we get in alignment with it, we become aware of how the universe is actually responding to what we're thinking and feeling. And a perfect example of this is the fact that I read Mike's email. I signed up for the course. I became a trainer. I met this amazing woman named Regina, and now she's on my podcast now. 
I know that's not an accident. <laughs> I just I, I can see the divine synchronicity in all of it. And it just really warms my heart to know that I'm in this groove and I'm attracting the people to me who have the same intentions, which is in some way make the world a better place. So I say all that to say, I want you to get into that flow, that universal flow of life, that when you get in it, there's this aliveness that happens. There's this passion that comes up and it, it's palpable. You feel it when you wake up in the morning. It's like it was, it, it's what gets you out of bed. So if you want to have that experience, if you're, if you're open to the possibility that it's there for you, then one good way to start is to possibly call Regina and say, hey, look, I saw you on this podcast. I heard you on this podcast and I'm really interested in your services and how do I get started? So Regina, I want to give you an opportunity to tell people how they can find you if they're interested in your services. Yeah. The best way to find me is to go to my website, which is reginagarapy.com. Now, Regina has two E's in it, R-E-G-E-N-A, and then Garapy has two R's, so G-A-R-R-E-P-Y, so reginagarapy.com. And you can go there, you can check it out. You, there's a place where you can book a call with me, but you can also just copy, get a copy of my five-minute ritual, which is a short on time, but big on impact thing that you can do at the beginning or at the end of your day. It's five minutes because you're going to reflect and write down five things. And that will help you have more connection, clarity, and courage. Just like a little thing because our lives are busy, but you you can start just with that and you can add your email and get that right away. Sweet. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Now, as we wind down, I want to give you an opportunity to simply share your final thoughts. Whatever comes to mind, whatever is on your heart to share with the audience, it's free. Go for it. Yeah. Actually, my final thoughts are really to thank you, Michael, like for inviting me here and having this conversation, but specifically for the work that you are doing in the world. Because um, you are reminding us that no matter what stage we are in or what age we are, that we can embrace it as a gift. And I also think that, you know, we talked about female empowerment and in a lot of ways, women have been a little bit ahead in, in that we've had these spaces and circles and groups for a long time. And I can see how needed it is for men right now in the world. And so having you be here, being this voice of empowerment, of transformation for men um, is huge. And we need, we need it, right? And also doing this podcast because in today's world of division and adversity, and bad news that makes us feel horrible if we start our day reading it. We need to feed our minds and bodies and spirits with empowering, hopeful, inspiring information that keeps us in connection instead of separate. And I know that putting out this podcast is doing that for people in their second act. And I'm really grateful for it. So thank you. Well, again, the 
honor and privilege has been mine. And I'll just leave by saying, first of all, I love you, who you are, how you show up in the world. And as mentioned, I know it's no accident that we've connected. Uh, and I know that in some way we will be collaborating on something to empower the world. I, I really get that. And I'm just I'm just really grateful um, that our paths have crossed. And I, I like to think of you and I as as partners in this process called human evolution. And so what we're doing when we're we're evolving humanity and we're we're fulfilling our divine purpose by being who we are. So thank you for how you show up in the world. Thank you. So with that being said, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Not Okay With Great podcast. And always remember, it's up to you to make the rest of your life the best of your life. So you've got to go out there and create the life of your dreams. So take care and we'll see you next episode.